0: in my life being up with God has truly been a challenge for me. You know I I run around sometimes like a chicken with my head cut off and that's what my relationship with God looks like. I get through half a prayer and then I think I have to go send an email or the phone rings or what have you. So I've tried um, kind of a simple plan for myself because I need discipline. I need an approach uh, to think about this. And so I'd set an appointment with God, like you do anybody else, for work or for pleasure. Uh, And it's really hard to do some days. so, you know, there's no formula, there's no perfect way to do it, but we just have to keep trying. And I think it's just a matter of really taking the time to go before Him um, and to be still. If we don't calm ourselves, we can't hear His still, small voice. wants to speak. Jesus tells us himself and John, my sheep hear my voice. And I want to hear his voice more than anything in my life. But it takes discipline, it takes practice, like all things. Um, I look forward to it every day. It's not a to-do list, it's a want-to-do list. Um, You know, I want to be with God. I want him to direct my life. But at the same time, if you wake up in the morning and you walk into the kitchen and you say to your spouse, I need you to do this, this, this. I hope you have a good day, see ya. Or if you walk in and say, you know, you're a blessing to me. I don't know how I would do life without you. I love you more than anything in the world. And you have a connection like that. It changes everything that you're gonna talk about going forward. And I think it's the same way with God. If you enter into telling him who he is to you, what he means to you, uh, he has a chance to tell us how much he loves us. It changes our whole outlook for the day and how we're gonna walk with him. Um, You know, Everybody's different, but man, I think if you just make a time every day to meet with God and just take some time to enter into his presence, you will be amazed at how you start to hear his voice.
1: West Bulls. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Let me throw a date at you: August third, two thousand one. August third, two thousand one. That that date may not mean anything to you. Um, for me, it means everything. It was the start of a lot of things. That was the day that I decided I was going to propose to my girlfriend at the time, Kara Christensen. And a group of us, a group of friends were out in California, Victoria Beach, just south of Laguna Beach there. And um, I I decided that was the spot that I was gonna do this. And so, I actually had a friend hiding behind some rocks, videotaping this whole deal. And you actually get to see 10 seconds of it right now. Here's the moment.
0: Look at her legs. Look at her legs, dude.
1: Yep, that, that special moment will always have my friend's voice. Look at her legs, dude. Look at her legs. <laughs> um, listen, I'm no, I'm no expert translator in girl, okay? I'd like to think I've gotten better over the years. But I knew that day that when you ask a girl to marry you and her legs do this, <laughs> that is a yes, okay? <laughs> so you can imagine the shock and the surprise when the next thing out of her mouth was not Yes. It was five terrifying words that made up one terrifying question. Did you ask my dad? And I don't know how long my face sat there frozen, petrified, and it wasn't because I hadn't asked him, I had, but I kind of mentally took this time machine back to the day that I decided to drive to Kara's parents' house and ask for their daughter's hand in marriage. I, uh, I, I do remember this. I remember being at my house and telling my parents, okay, I'm going to ask the question, and both of my parents did this. <laughs> it's like, thanks for that uh, boost of confidence, Mom and Dad. I appreciate that. Of all times, right now is when I need it. But I don't remember the drive over there. I don't remember traffic. I don't remember what the weather was. Suddenly, I was at the front door, and I was going, oh, my gosh, here it is. So I rang the doorbell and I had made up this uh, story that I was returning one of her brother's video games. Kyle and I used to play a lot of video games together. I wanted to hang with you, Kyle, but I was also using you for your sister. So, (laughs) love you, man, all right. But, um, so Dana, Kara's dad, answered the door. He said, hi, Nathan. I said, hey. She's like, Kara's not here, what you doing? It's like, just uh, returning a video game. And I handed it to him, and I stood there in awkward silence. And, and Dana just, he knows. He knows, and he could sense it. And so he said, you want to come in? I was like, yeah, yeah. He said, well, I, I sense you're here for something more than returning a video game. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And all that was going through my brain was just the angst and the emotion and the tension and the trauma. Listen, Dana and Vicky have never given me a reason to think that they are like this, but all I could picture all the way over was just fire-breathing dragons. <laughs> and the word no, and then them moving their, their daughter to another state, and me never seeing her again. And I was sure this, this wasn't going to work. So in that moment, when he sensed that I was there to ask something else, I went, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm bailing right now. And and the best part of this whole thing is Dana actually coached me through how to ask him to marry his daughter. He said, well, okay, you're being quiet, so I'm sensing that you're here to ask for our daughter's hand in marriage. And inside, I was like, well, that was easier than I thought. I didn't even have to say it. (laughs) And I said, yeah. And and he toyed with me just for a, a moment. Or if he's serious, we have some issues. But he said, sure you can. In 10 years. And what? He said, I'm just kidding. And what I experienced was honestly a very gracious, merciful dad. Um, And and obviously they gave their blessing. And I I tell you that story because I look back and I think, wow. I, I mean, all the trauma and all the angst about approaching Kara's dad with this request. And I think, if I'm honest, that many times, not just myself, but many of us, as I've talked to many of you, we approach our Heavenly Father the same way. That we have some things we'd like to ask Him. That we have some things we'd like to bring before Him. But there was that one prayer years ago that maybe it's pending and you're still waiting on an answer. Or maybe you heard no. Or maybe, maybe you picture a fire-breathing dragon in the sky regardless of how long you've been in church. Maybe to you, God has been this far-off, distant being that you don't feel like you could go ask. And as I look back, I, I obviously I'm so glad I asked Kara's parents because I look back at all the blessings and all the memories, and I also I cringe and I shudder to think that maybe, maybe, things would look different if we would bring our requests to our Heavenly Father. Because I think he wants to do something in that. If we would go before him. And so, unfortunately, I think what that has played out as is we we have looked at prayer as maybe a last resort instead of a first response. And maybe we have forgotten that we can go to our Heavenly Father and we can talk to him. And so this week as we talk, as we continue through this series up, and we talk about going up the mountain, we're talking about asking God going before him and asking, presenting our requests to him. And I can think of no better place for us to sit this morning than to get a front row seat to a conversation that Jesus had with at least one disciple and possibly all of his disciples. It's in Luke chapter 11. And the way this whole conversation got started was a disciple saw Jesus praying, talking to his heavenly father. And something inside this disciple went, I want to do that. I mean, these were Jewish young men, and and maybe they had known prayer before, but they had not known prayer like this. And so this disciple walked up to Jesus, and he said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And, And I think that's the request for us this morning. Teach us to pray. And Jesus, not one to waste an opportunity, what we're going to discover this morning is he is going to give the disciples and us some perspective on how to go before our Heavenly Father and talk to our Heavenly Father. Look at what he says. We're in Luke chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, otherwise it'll be up on the screen. But look at verse 2 of Luke chapter 11. He said to them, when you pray. Look at that, when you pray. He didn't say, if you pray. Truth is, whether you've been in church your whole life, or this is your first Sunday, whether you follow Jesus or not, we all pray. Because we've all had that moment, whether we realized what we were saying or not, where we reached out to something greater than us to get through what's in front of us. We said, Lord, help me. Lord, help. You've got to get me through this. You've got to send help. You've got to provide. So he says, when you pray, and then he says this word, say and I can imagine all his disciples probably got their pens out right there because they were probably thinking what I was thinking when I read this I went oh my goodness here comes the magic formula Jesus is actually going to give the words but what we'll find out is he's not giving a magic formula here he's giving a perspective he's giving a perspective to what we're asking that when you go up the mountain to talk to your heavenly father the first perspective you've got to get is what you're asking. And look at what he says about what we're asking. He continues, Father, Father, Father. And the reason I want to stop right there is because already that probably changes what prayer is for many of us in here. Father, See, many times in my life when I've prayed, I think I've prayed with, I haven't said the word, but I think the word in my heart was master. And I felt like maybe it was a performance and I had to get every single word right. And so I thought master. Or maybe I I, I know I've had times where I've thought, if you're there, if you're there, or if you can hear me. I came across an article a couple weeks ago that about one in every 1500 letters written to the White House actually gets to the president. I thought, man, I, I think that's how I've prayed sometimes, thinking, well, this has a slim chance of getting to you, Lord. But Jesus says, no, 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 this is Father. This is intimate. He's not far off. The chances of this prayer getting to him are 100%. He's Father. He's right here with you. And then, look what he says next. Hallowed be your name, or holy is your name, some translations say. Thomas talked about this a few weeks ago, right? That he is the creator of all things. Your heavenly father is the creator of all things. He's before all things, and he'll be here after all things, after you and I are gone. That's how holy, how set apart he is, and yet I get to talk to him, and you get to talk to him because he's that close. And then he says three words. Three words that I think we've got to camp out on a little bit longer than we usually do. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. You see, that sounds a little weird to me because whose kingdom am I praying about when I pray? And whose kingdom about are you praying about when you pray usually? Our own. We pray about our own kingdom a lot, right? Lord, there's, there's this thing in my kingdom that needs to be fixed. There's this person in my kingdom that is just messing with me. There's this thing in my kingdom that I need you to fill up and take care of. And yet Jesus says, no, no, no. When, when you go to your heavenly Father in prayer, he's adjusting our perspective. He's saying before we ever get to us, we've got to talk about him. His kingdom come. Come. And then, and then Jesus transitions into the part of prayer that we're pretty familiar with, right? Look at the next one, next verse, verse three. Give us, give us. This is, this is often where I go in prayer. Gimme, 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 gimme. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, remember, these are young Jewish men. And so, to them, this was not just a request. This was a reminder of a time in Jewish history where God's people, they were wandering in the desert. And yet, every single day, they woke up, every morning, and what was there? Daily bread, manna from heaven. So, Jesus is reminding them that when you pray, one, it's about his kingdom, but two, it should be a reminder. It's a request, but it's also a reminder of how he's provided. Not just how he's provided. Look, he goes on. Verse 4. Forgive us our sins. And, and they couldn't have known this yet. But for us, it should be a reminder of the forgiveness we were given on the cross. And the forgiveness we still need constantly. And the forgiveness that he gave us on the cross. And the forgiveness that he still gives constantly. It's a request. It's a reminder. And then if you're like me, you kind of mumble this next part. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And that's probably where I break down a little bit. Because I can think about all the things that people have done to me, and yet I think Jesus is making a point here. That you want to know what marks God's kingdom? Is that you're not only a recipient of forgiveness, but you're to dispense forgiveness to others, just as you've been given. In other words, it's a request and a reminder of our provision, of our pardon, and finally, this next part. Look what he says, the end of verse 4. And lead us not into temptation. And then some versions say, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, you're asking the Lord, but you're also being reminded of his provision, his pardon, and his protection. That, Lord, my heart wants a lot of things, but you... You lead my heart. Now, I step back from this prayer, and I just think, that's it? I mean, you, you spent three lines on the thing that I will, so I will spend three hours, three days, three weeks, three months, three years on, the give me part. And yet Jesus says, no, 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 we've got to get this thing, we've, we've got to shift our perspective on what we're asking and I think Jesus is getting at this. When it comes to what we're asking, you remember it comes from God, and you remember it's for God. we got to remember it's from God, and that it is for God's kingdom. All that stuff in my life that I pray about, it finds its right meaning and its right context when I understand who it's from and who it's for. How many of you have a, um, you've, you've named a specific drawer at home? It's called the junk drawer. Yeah, we've all got that. We've all got, maybe you don't call it that, but you've got it. It's somewhere. But our junk drawer at home, it's got, it's got a couple power cords in it that we, we're not sure what they go to. And it's got puzzle pieces. We don't know where the puzzles are for, for those pieces. It's got keys that we don't know what locks they go to. But the interesting thing is that when something gets removed from the junk drawer, it's usually because we found what it's from and what it's for. And suddenly it's no longer this useless thing in the junk drawer. But it has a purpose and it has a meaning and it has relevance. Because we've understood where it's from and what it's for. And Jesus says all that stuff in your life that you're praying about, all that stuff, your provision, the pardon, the protection, all of it, and all the other things we pray about, remember who it's from and remember what it's for. And right about there, I would imagine if I was a disciple, I'd be like, perfect, got the magic formula, I'm out of here. But Jesus isn't done yet, not by a long shot, because Jesus, he's only started to give them and us perspective on prayer and going to our Heavenly Father. He says, look, it's not just what you're asking, but I want you to think about how you're asking. And he tells them, he gives them a little example. Look at what he says next. Verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, look at this, lend me three loaves of bread. Just just think about that saying for a minute, lend me three loaves of bread. I read that and I thought, yes, that's how I go to God oftentimes, that this is a lend, I'm, I'm borrowing something. Lend me three loaves of bread. You've done this too. Because you at some point have prayed this prayer, haven't you? Lord, if you just come through on this one, I will never sin again. Liar, okay? Liar. He knows. Or Lord, if you will answer this request, I will be kind to my family forever and ever. I mean, I always have been, okay? But I will really be kind, right? But we look at it and we approach it as if it's a lending thing, that there's a repayment thing. But Jesus Jesus is going to show us something here. Take a look at what he says next. Lend me three loaves of bread, verse 6, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, then the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. Side note, how many of you have children during nap time and somebody comes and rings the doorbell? Yes, you could understand that there might be a little anger in the friend here at midnight, right? But he goes on. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. And I think we got to pause here because I think not only do we approach God with lending in mind, but I think this is how we think God views us. That we're annoying him, that we're disturbing him, that we're somehow inconveniencing him. I know I do that constantly and yet Jesus says this I tell you though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend look at this yet because of the man's persistence and some translations say because of the man's boldness and some translations say because of his importunity which really means bold persistence because of his persistence he will get up and look at this word Give him. Wait, I thought the word was lend, Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. Give him. The friend at midnight will give him. Even though he said lend, he will give him. How much? As much as he needs. Wow. And so Jesus gives the implications of this. He says, so for you, disciples, when it comes to your heavenly father, verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Can I ask you a question? What are you asking for right now? What are you asking your heavenly Father for? Or maybe a more appropriate question, I know it has been for me, is... What do, you want to, what do you want to ask God for? What do you want to ask your heavenly father for that you haven't asked him yet? What do you want to see him do? What dreams do you have? What would, what would you love to see him do that you know you can't do it on your own unless he shows up and he's got to do it? Because oftentimes, if you're like me, you look at verse 10 here and life doesn't always feel like this, does it? We reference there was that, you know, there was that prayer that you maybe remember from years ago, and it was a no, or it's still pending, and it's quiet, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and I think oftentimes we wrongly interpret that to go, I want to quit asking, but I think what Jesus is getting at, he's walked us through what we're asking, and now I think the perspective he wants to give us when it comes to how we're asking is simply this, don't quit when it's quiet. Don't Quit when it's quiet. And life feels quiet a lot of times, doesn't it? Because you're waiting, and you're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting on an answer. We have, a, we have a friend who, this isn't like me telling a story about a friend, but it's actually me. This is actually a friend of ours. Um, he came home late one night, and his garage door opener wasn't working, didn't have a key to the house. And his wife and his kids were in bed. And so he went, and he, he knocked at the door like... Well, that didn't wake anybody up, and so he, he knocked a little bit louder, and he actually got out his cell phone and tried to call his wife, and she didn't answer, so he knocked a little bit louder, and he finally gave it a fourth try and knocked a little bit louder and no answer, and his wife woke up the next morning, and she found him sleeping on the front porch bench,
0: and I thought, wow.
1: I, I think if, if we were in that position, you know what I think Jesus would say to us? I want you, I want you to pray prayers so boldly and so persistently, I want you to keep knocking so boldly that it'll open closed doors. I want you to keep going. Don't quit when it's quiet. Don't quit when it's quiet. I mean, I'm thinking about my friend and I'm thinking, wow, I mean, on the one hand, good job, you didn't wake up your wife and kids, but you could have had a warm night's sleep if you had just knocked a little harder. And I think Jesus would say the same. Not just what you're asking, but how you're asking. Don't quit when it's quiet. And then Jesus wraps this whole thing up. He, he ends with a little, a little addition here that I think maybe is the biggest thing we gotta keep in mind. He gave perspective to what we're asking. He gave perspective to how we're asking. And now he's gonna give perspective to the nature of who we're asking. Look at what he says in verse 11. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Now, just stepping back, I don't know anybody who would do that on purpose. None of us would ever think to do that, that if if a child were to ask for a blessing, would give them a curse or something that would hurt them intentionally. And I think this should be so comforting to us because many of us right now are waiting on a prayer to be answered. Or many of us have heard that word no to a prayer and we once again have interpreted it as we he gave us a gift, but not a good one. He gave us something that has caused more harm and more hurt in our lives. And Jesus said, no, no, no. That's not his nature. In fact, he continues. Verse 13, if you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, and pay attention right here, look at the word he brings us back to, how much more will your father, the word this all started with, father in heaven. Did you know he's not a sleepy friend? That's the point Jesus is making here that your heavenly father is not a sleepy friend. And if a sleepy friend at midnight knows how to get up and respond to you and give you as much as you need, then how much more will your heavenly father get up and give you even if it's not exactly what you've been asking for something even better. And he shows us what that better thing is next. How much more will your heaven your excuse me, father in heaven Give, there's that word again, give, not lend, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know what this says to me? That we have a heavenly father who sometimes, sometimes he answers the prayer, fill my cup. And then as we all know, sometimes he doesn't. But he always, always, always answers the prayer, fill my cup me up. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Do you, do you want to know what is better than any amount of riches or, or my strength or, or anything else in, in the situation that you're facing right now? It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord, and, and that's what Jesus is getting at here, that when it comes to the nature of who you're asking, God always gives us god sometimes he gives us a gift but he always gives us god and that's a far better thing to receive than anything that we could pray for in fact there's a man named hb charles who is one of my favorite stories about the nature of god and he wrote this far better than i could say it so i want to read this to you he tells a story of one hot afternoon a certain woman walked to her neighbor's produce stand to buy grapes The line was long, and each person seemed to get special attention. But she waited patiently. When she finally made it to the front of the line, the owner asked for her order. She asked for grapes. Please excuse me for a minute, was the answer. Then the owner walked away and disappeared behind a building. For some reason, this rubbed the woman the wrong way. Everyone in line before her had been greeted warmly. I mean, is that how you're looking around right now? You see how their prayer got answered, and their prayer got answered, and their prayer got answered, but what about me? They were given special attention, and most importantly, they were served immediately. But she was forced to wait, and when she got to the front of the line, she was forced to wait some more. She was offended. She felt the owner took her regular business for granted. The longer she waited, the angrier she became. Finally, the produce stand owner reappeared. And with a big smile, he presented her with the most beautiful grapes she had ever seen. He invited her to taste them. She had never tasted grapes so good. As she turned to leave with her delicious grapes, he stopped her. He said, oh yeah, I'm sorry I kept you waiting, said the farmer. But, but I needed the time to get you my very best. Are you waiting right now? Because you gotta know. That your heavenly father wants to give you his very, very best. And he might fill your cup, but he will always answer, fill me up. It's the best thing he could give. And so as I look at this, I look at what Jesus is walking them through, and I look at what we're asking, I look at how we're asking, I look at the nature of who we're asking, And I got a question for you. It's the question Kara asked me on August 3rd, 2001. Have you asked your father? Have you gone to your father? Because when I look at all that Jesus says here, I think there's something we got to know when we go up the mountain to talk to our heavenly father. And it's simply this, ask with all you've got and he will give you all you need. Ask with all you've got, he'll give you all you need. And all we need isn't necessarily what we think we need in every situation. All you need is the Spirit of the Lord. Maybe the most beautiful part of this whole conversation is actually when it took place, where it's placed in Luke. Because he has this conversation with the disciples, and you think, wow, they all lived happily ever after. But they didn't. In fact, Jesus turned from teaching them to pray, and do you know what he walked into? Opposition. Opposition. And I think it's no coincidence that his conversation with them about the nature of his ministry in the spirit of the Lord was followed by opposition. The nature of Jesus' ministry was faced with opposition. And so the best thing to walk through times of opposition with is the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus knew was going to carry him through. It's what he knew was going to carry them through. And it's what he knows is going to carry you and I through. So ask with all you've got. He'll give you all you need. And one one man, years later, as we close, one man gave perspective to all this. It was a man named Paul. And Paul, he was imprisoned. Okay? And the ruling leader at the time was a man named Nero. If you know history, Emperor Nero was a brutal, brutal, brutal ruler he would set people on fire at the stake if they didn't line up with his beliefs he'd feed them to wild beasts he would behead people and he and Paul was on Nero's radar so as Paul sat there in prison he said this he said I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry we, we could rephrase that. Whether my prayers have been answered or not, whether living in plenty or in want, you've heard this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That is a statement from somebody who has been filled up with the spirit of a good, good father. And so, when it comes to what we're asking, Remember, it is from God and it is for God. When it comes to how we're asking, don't quit when it's quiet. When it comes to the nature of the one we are asking, to who we're asking, remember, sometimes he gives gifts, but he always gives God. So you can go to him and you can ask with all you've got, and he will give you all you need. Let's pray. Father, Father, Father. Holy is your name. In your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have debts against us. And lead us not into temptation. And Lord, we pray all that. But Lord, you know what we ask for most You know what we want to persistently ask for most? Give us us that reminder, give us that strength to keep coming to the door and keep knocking and praying with prayers that would open closed doors. We pray for your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us, you can give us gifts, but we know none of those measure up to having you. So Lord, give us the strength to ask with all we've got and open our eyes to see that you are there to give us all we need. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week.